Listen, welcome to So to Speak. My name is Evan Mead. I'm Lyle Groninger. Why don't we introduce the guest right off the bat? So hey, I'm Cody. <laughs> you might remember me from such podcasts as So to Speak and So to Speak. <laughs> uh, and I'm Josh. You may remember me from such episodes as The Simpsons Golden Age, the one after that, the Halloween one in between, the one after that, and the one where I talk about music for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... Inspired by a couple of podcasts that Lyle and I have listened to, today's episode is going to be a banter episode, or a banter-sode. Um, in other words, Josh is going to carry the episode. Banter-soda. <laughs> banter-soda. pressure on me. We're like shuffling between hosts now. Yeah, Don't well, push me. At the time of recording, my throat is kind of dry from whatever moisture is in the room I'm recording in, so uh, that's fun. That's why uh, you should. Did, does your did your did your landlords give you a dehumidifier? Um, no, we we have a, we have one. It's oh. right. It's right beside where I'm sitting right now. Oh, nice. It's on at night. So, first year we were moved in uh, in the spring to our apartment, and what happened was uh, our landlord said we have a dehumidifier, but the first summer we lived here, our air conditioner in the building was working. Last summer, uh, the air conditioner ceased to function, and I could tell by, like, June, because it was, like, sweltering outside, and I, and it was, like, a sauna whenever I came home, and I'm like, hey, I thought they turned on the air conditioning, but then, so, uh, basically, I called the landlord because, uh, the lack of air conditioning was causing, you know, um, some minor mold in the apartment, but Lyle and I could clean most of it up. Oh, thank God. It was a pretty serious outbreak, actually. Oh. I had to disinfect my entire floor. Yeah. Oh, what a downplay. Yeah, no. What, yeah, the, don't downplay. I had to, like, wash everything <laughs> on my, like, coat rack. And yeah. That's all my clothes. There's also a hole in my wall, which, you know, the landlord said he's happy to fix, but it says, you gotta use... The landlord yelled at us for not using a dehumidifier. I completely forgot we had one. It was in our uh, storage room the whole, by the furnace the whole time. Uh, it but the point is, like, yeah, I'm an idiot. So, like, I didn't think to look into, like, you know, having a dehumidifier. Uh, but uh, Welcome to Soda Speak. I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> And my building is kind of a similar thing in that the AC is only on through the summer, essentially. And any periods of the year where it's suddenly unseasonably warm and then it cools back down, the thermostat in here just goes up. So it was like sometimes be 24 when it's like in the low 10s, and it was like 26 yesterday when it was above 20. So we have to keep some fans around if we're going to be in the main area. It was seriously that warm yesterday? Yeah, I went up to like 26, 27. Yeah, by the way, uh, the to, to prevent this puck, we're talking, we're talking, right now, as, as of this recording, audience, it's early April 2021, and uh, even though Groundhog Day predicted an early spring, everyone's acting like, oh, it's an unseasonably warm spring. I thought the Groundhog, who, as we all know, is the godfather be-all end-all predictor of the oh, weather God, now i'm just imagining like punxatani phil and wyerton willie whichever iteration they're on as like underground groundhog crime bosses 
Yeah, don't you know groundhogs control the weather? Yeah, they're very mischievous that way. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I, can anyone, uh, just for the, just for having something to talk about very briefly, I don't want to dwell too much on it, but does anyone off the top of our, your heads know the history of Groundhog Day? Either the holiday, you, you talk about the holiday, and then the movie uh, by Harold Ramis, because that in and of itself has some history too. I don't know the history behind the actual holiday. Um, I do know that it, I think it was based in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, a lot of ho- a lot of stuff that uh, P- Americans think is American uh, actually came from Canada and was originated in Canada. Uh, a good example is uh, basketball. Um, a lot of them, it, uh, here's, there are more American teams in the NBA than there are Canadian teams. Well, there's only one Canadian team in the NBA, but basketball, as of now, as of now yeah. Uh, Josh, you're kind of a sports guy. Uh, if another Canadian team besides, if it, another Canadian city besides Toronto were to get an NBA team, who do you think it would be? Or which city do you think it would be? Well, cause Vancouver did have the Grizzlies for the first, I want to say, 15 to 20 years of its existence and then they moved to memphis i think in the early 2000s uh yeah 95 until around uh 2001 i think was when that yeah i would say though in terms of the canadian cities um because the expos do not have their baseball team back maybe the nba would compromise and give them a basketball team Hmm. But at the same time, because of its proximity to Toronto, it's likely assumed people in the Quebec area are Raptors fans. Anyway, that, that's kind of the thing where the whole country was unified by their finals run a few years ago, which, holy cow, that was only like two years ago. It feels like a lifetime. Oh, okay. But that's more common on the larger passage of time. I would not mind... Um, I don't know, maybe maybe somewhere along like the in the prairies, like Calgary or Edmonton, or somewhere more... In Atlantic Canada, maybe Halifax. Yeah. You know, basketball is one of those uh, weird sports where it tends to not always favor climates that are cold necessarily. And because Canada's preferred more for hockey as a result, like outside of Vancouver, you'd be hard-pressed to find a lot of other big Canadian cities. Although I could also see Ottawa maybe for an an inter-province rivalry because they have the Senators in the lease for hockey, so... What about Montreal? That, that's as much as I know. What about Mon- Do you think Montreal could have an NBA team? Or I, I mean, I did kind of pause it on that a minute ago. Oh, sh- sorry. How many ceiling tiles are there up there, Lyle? Uh, <laughs> none, actually. It's a pretty smooth ceiling. Yeah. I was just admiring the smoothness of it, actually. Sorry, uh, particularly... So, about Groundhog Day. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... I'm keeping track here. Okay, so, basically... What's so special about Groundhog I Day? I just Googled it, and according to the first thing that comes up on Google, according to History.com, Groundhog Day has its roots in the ancient Christian tradition of candle mass, when clergy would bless and distribute candles needed for winter. The candles represented how long and cold the winter would be. Germans expanded on this concept by selecting an animal, the hedgehog, as a means of predicting weather. So, it has it does, German... It comes or... from, like, a Dutch superstition that if the groundhog comes out from the burrow and sees its shadow because the weather's clear... It then goes back to hibernating, and then there's only six more weeks of yeah. winter. And if it doesn't, because it's cloudy, that means an early spring. So the moral of the story is, it's completely random and none of it matters. 
Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I never take Groundhog you know Day you, that seriously. You know what I wish wasn't a thing anymore? Uh, daylight Savings. I'm so sick of it. Daylight it's Savings is like weird. Consolidated. Uh, do, um, it, yeah, no, there's been a conversation, you know, talking about abolishing uh, Daylight Savings. Not er- not every American state uh, uses daylight savings. I know this because when I went to visit my cousins in Indiana um, years ago, they were an hour behind us, despite the fact that Indiana is in Eastern Standard Time. But they were an hour behind. They were an hour behind us still. Oh, I'm okay with time zones. It's just yeah. when it comes to daylight savings, it gets a bit confusing because you get so adjusted to it for about eight to nine months, and then yeah. or not eight to nine months. It's more like six months, I would say. Yeah. But the whole reason why it happened was just because farmers wanted to like reset their clocks for their crops to be ready for the next season. But it kind of doesn't. I just think, why don't you just start earlier or start later? How come that has to affect the entire country? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. No, that right. is my opinion. But I ridiculous. get, I get why, but I just don't know why it has to be like a national thing. It is rather redundant. Cause you get, yeah, because you get so you get so adjusted to it. Like, I mean, now it's like weird. Like, oh, the sun's gonna go down a little bit later on. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Because I, I get comfortable where the sun goes down around like five or five thirty. And that makes me think, like, ah, nice, it's evening time, I get to relax. But if it's still sunny out around, like, 8 at night, I just feel like I I got stuff to do. Yeah. That's why I feel like people, like, have more energy in the summertime uh, and more of of an ambitious in the summertime. But I personally love seeing... uh, I don't know about you, Cody. Um, I'm kind of the opposite of you. I love seeing the sun stay up past 9 o'clock in the evening. Because that way, like, you know, I, I just like the long days. I don't know what it is about me. Um, it just kind of comes... Uh, not to say that, you know, I don't have... I don't, like, dislike winter. I mean, that's fine, too. It, it has its place. Um, Wait, what are your favorite seasons, all you guys? Round them up. Uh, like, in order... I mean, the seasons that, I, that don't annoy me are fall and spring. Because a temperature that is most comfortable... Um, both yeah, of I'm with you on that. spring and spring and fall. I, spring and fall. Uh, they also have debatably the best holidays because fall has my favorite holiday, Halloween. Mine too. Uh, spring has Easter and 420, and uh, to a lesser extent, uh, Victoria Day in Canada. April Fools. April Fools. Well, Arbor Day. Is that in the spring? Earth Day. Earth Day. Earth Day. Yeah. Um, yeah, fall, yeah. no, fall has, fall has Halloween and, pa- and Thanksgiving. Oh, uh, can't forget St. Patrick's I mean, Day. I yeah. always, St. Patrick's Day, I kind of associate with the end of winter, beginning of spring, because sometimes uh, I associate March as a winter well, month. Well, do turn green. That's yeah. true. Yeah. By the way, um, uh, because, uh, I've got a darling colleague, um, who, uh, is of Irish descent, um, he actually to- told me the very brief history of St. Patrick's Day because I never I understand like why the drinking because you know the Irish like to drink a lot and it was the whole I, holiday of St. Patrick's Day was started because St. Patrick is the guy is the saint who brought Christianity to Ireland and um, yeah. Also, uh, Americans, when there are a bunch of Irish immigrants to the United States, 
uh, people like to drink with them on St. Patrick's Day. That's how the excessive drinking uh, came. And, uh, you know, in the words of my friend, he said, yeah, why did I, I asked why all the drinking? Oh, because people like to get drunk with the Irish and the Irish like to get drunk because that's what happened when you're oppressed. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to know, um, we're kind of going on a bit of a tangent about maybe, holidays now. Could maybe the other people talk about the seasons they like? Sure. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. I feel like it's a stream. It's almost like I think it's a stream. It's a stream of consciousness. Oh, okay. Uh, let's have the other people have a turn. Uh, Josh, what are your favorite uh, seasons? I mean, I kind of agree with Evan in terms of fall and spring being the middle ground. But I will say there's a certain period of summer, any days where there's very little humidity. I mean, I'm a bit of a weather nerd in that you know I used to always enjoy as a kid looking at the weather network. Off topic, but there's something about the music they play in the background from like 2006 through 2007 that's just so calming and soothing. You can look it up on YouTube, anyone that's listening, it's like, if you're interested. It, that music, it's like better than elevator music. It's like the kind of and, music... And you... I'm not being sarcastic either. Like that's actually, I <laughs> yeah. wish that they would have some way to put it up on some sort of streaming platform so people yeah. could listen to it independently of YouTube. But well, go on, in the summer... Go on Spotify. I'm sure you'll find like a track that's in similar yeah. uh, taste to that. It's not the same. But in the oh. summer, when I lived at home, there'd be a lot of cool like just paths I could find in side streets when it would be just a nice warm day not excruciatingly hot that i would love to explore the area and that's sort of what i associate most with summer with winter that's where it just kind of I, i'm not huge on winter because it's cold everything's covered in snow you can't really be outside for too long because it's dark and you just feel really trapped inside unlike most days this as of late this period <laughs> i can't talk um, but yeah spring and fall like everything starts to warm up you know you can feel the clean air again yeah, it's full of hope, and then yeah. fall has the wonderful leaves, and it, it makes for good picture taking opportunities, and it just sort of represents that transitional period of just like change. And I'm reminded of a, a lyric from the Rush song "Time Stands Still." Summer's going fast, nights growing colder, children growing up, old friends growing older. Yeah, mm, yeah. Um, on, the, on that note, I would say my second favorite season after spring and fall would have to be summer. I don't care for the sweltering heat, which we do have in Canada, you know, American audience. We don't live in igloos. Our particular part, the, the particular part of the country that we actually live in actually can have some really brutal summers. Uh, we live right by the Great Lakes, which is the where most of the population of Canada is concentrated, uh, oddly enough, because it's warm. But, yeah, our summers can be brutal. Um, but the only thing I like about summer is the time you have to travel and go to places and and reconnect with friends mm -hmm. yeah the sunsets too get pretty fabulous mm. yeah uh i'm i'm also i'm also in agreement with you guys like spring and fall are definitely the the ideal uh seasons just because yeah it is a nice middle ground yeah when it comes to summer i just hate the humidity because i'm already such a warm body and I just, I don't know, I get so frustrated when I get, like, hot and sweaty, like, especially in my back or in my thighs. Like, I just have to really, like, dress the right way or, like, have, like, air conditioning on, like, as much as possible. So, um, I just moved into a new apartment with my girlfriend this past fall, so we have to, like, figure out what we're going to do with AC because there's not, there's no um, central air. So, we do have a portable um, 
air conditioner that we're probably going to leave in the bedroom because we find we're going to sleep a lot better if we have nice cool air and because that was kind of the wonderful thing about this past uh winter was like i slept like a baby throughout this winter because that's great i sleep so much better once the room is just nice and cool and there's just like that idea that like you know it's very snowy like there's a doubt like say there's like a down like a snow a blizzard going on outside while you're sleeping just that idea kind of makes me feel like not as like stressed it just makes me feel kind of cozy and yeah, yeah, I don't know what it is. That's not to say so, that I dislike winter or that we are dislike winter. There's this, there's lo- it's very pretty. Yeah. Winter's pretty to look at. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty to look at, and it's it's definitely a different contrast, obviously, to summertime. There's more things to do in the summertime, but again, the, the humidity on the on top of that, like I find that every other summer in the past few years, like 2016, mm-hmm. 2018, were like brutal years when it came to heat. I think, like, in 2018, I think we actually hit a record of having, like, over 20 days that were, uh, if you follow Celsius, we had um, about 20, more than 20 days that were above uh, 30 30 Celsius, Mm. which is, like, a record. Yeah. Um, But the ideal place around the world is to find uh, where the weather all year round, if you follow Celsius, um, is between 10 to 15 yeah, and the reason why I'm just saying Celsius because I'm from Windsor and we're so close to the states that some people follow Fahrenheit. That's oh. more common in the states. So in Fahrenheit, like that would be 65 to 70 would be kind of like what 10 to 15 would be in Celsius. So, I, f- I find that when I moved to Toronto and everybody's doing Celsius, I found that kind of funny. It's almost like you're. You're speaking two different languages. Well, my mom, uh, because she she and my uncle actually spent a lot of time growing up in the United States. Like, um, they actually, my mom actually will sometimes tell temperature in Fahrenheit because that's how she was partially raised to tell temperature. Even though she lives in a country that uses the metric system, and uh, she she sometimes will identify temperature as Fahrenheit, and I won't know what she's talking about because I was raised on Celsius. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. um, if I had to pick my season... I find, I find Fahrenheit... Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, I find that Fahrenheit's a little bit easier to, like, uh, interpret because, like, the higher you get, like, once you get to 100, you know that's, like, extremely hot. When you get to 90, that's obviously hot. But, like, the lower number you get, like, it just seems a bit easier to read when Celsius, you, just, you only go from, like, 0 to 30, or even 40. 40's kind of getting extreme, but... Mm. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Lau. Your favorite season. Alright, I, I definitely have to pick Autumn as my favorite, because it has some of my favorite holidays, namely Halloween and Thanksgiving. And I just yeah. love... I, I love how crisp the airs gets. I think by September, I think that's, like, the nicest of fall. In November, it's a little too chilly for me, but, like, that nice middle ground between, um... September and October is, like, really some of my favorite, uh weather of the year or at least in terms of atmosphere um unlike you guys i actually don't really like spring that much it's just so marshy and it's always like wet and like it also blows precipitation if to any of you who have allergies spring also blows yeah it feels like a it's like a it's like a prepubescent summer (laughs) (laughs) if i had to call it anything it's like it's not the really cold damp days especially but so far this year we've had a few days where there have been some very strong wind gusts yeah. yeah, and it just kind of makes it 
unbearable to be out for any longer than like 10 or 15 minutes at a time. Um, yeah. I just find the weather in spring a little too temperamental, so um, I would probably actually pick summer below autumn just because it, it, it's kind of, I, I agree, I hate the heat, but like on a really nice summer day, it just feels really good to be alive when you're out and about with friends and stuff. Oh, yeah. It does feel good to be alive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like, if I had to say, maybe, and then, then I would probably put spring below summer, and winter I, I definitely would rather just not. And my, it, even though Christmas, even though New Year's, even though, and my birthday's on February, but I just don't like the weather in winter. Like, snow and ice is um, just not something I like very much. There, there was, speaking of February, um, February. in... I don't know if this is a thing in the United States. It it, it definitely isn't. But in um, can in Canada, I think first Ontario, and then I think the rest of Canada followed along. Um, we created a holiday called Family Day, and <laughs> it's literally a day a, a, a Monday. It's a long weekend where, uh, like, the first Monday after Valentine's Day, I think you get the Monday off, and. Uh, it, the whole idea is that, you know, businesses close and you get to spend time with your family. The only reason the government, I think, made this holiday is because they looked at the calendar year and they realized that February is the only month out of the year where there is no, like, statutory holiday that, you know, people can get off work. Um, because in well, there's also November. I don't think there's one in November. Oh, oh wait, so in November uh, there isn't one. If you no, in the United States there is. There's Thanksgiving, but that's in the states. Yeah, that's true. Um, in yeah, that's the states. In, but in Canada, it's in like... Canada, yeah, no, in the cal- in the calendar in Canada, New Year, uh, January has New Year's Day. Uh, February has Valentine's Day technically, but that's not a holiday. Where, it's a holiday you celebrate, but it's not a holiday you get. The, you don't get the day off. Um, yeah. Fa- uh, so they create Family Day to kind of bridge the gap. No, actually, March there. It just occurred to me, March there's no unless I miss something. There's no holiday where you can get. No, it's day. now April break. But oh, that's oh, March. March break, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, sorry. March break, dude. March break. Yeah. So March break in March. Well, actually, technically, technically, uh, depending on where you're at in Canada, some provinces don't celebrate Civic Holiday in August. Oh no. Um, yeah, some have completely different holidays. Yeah. yeah, BC especially. Yeah, so actually, if you have an if you, actually if you have an iPhone under the calendar, they'll tell you what certain holidays are around Canada and whether or not it applies to your province. Google so, Google calendars do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I completely no. I'm sorry. I, I forgot about March break just because I haven't been in school for like seven years or eight years. Yeah, I gotta say, ever since I stopped going to school and seeing my family as much, some holidays just, I totally don't, I totally forget about. Yeah. Like, this Easter, I totally forgot Easter was even a thing, yeah. and I didn't even really <laughs> celebrate it, because, yeah. like, I'm not a kid anymore, I don't collect, like, little eggs and stuff. It's funny, I was just back home for Easter, like, my perfect, perfect timing, too, because, like, we ran into fucking lockdown again, so my timing was great. I kind of just, like, eased my way to Windsor and came back and then locked down. Uh, I do celebrate Easter because I did grew I did grow up Catholic, but I don't practice it as much anymore. But mm-hmm. when it comes to like just getting together with family, I do try to tend to like just get together and have it be like the same old how it was when I was when I was little. 
So we don't eat meat on Good Friday, but and we were about to have like you know a nice uh, fish, not not fish and chip dinner. It was fish and just uh, double baked potato dinner. And uh, my nan or my mom brought out like a plate of like finger food, and then a friend of hers came over and brought over another plate of finger food, and on it was like kibasa and. Uh, I think it was like salami, like wrapped up salami. You can dip it, like or not dip in crackers, put in the cracker. And I started eating it, and I went, "Oh shit, I'm eating meat." Oh and you god! Don't realize it till afterwards. It's like like three, because it's like 365 days a year, and there's like one day that you have to like just you know not eat meat, and it's just hard because you get into that like routine. Oh, well. I mean, if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, it's a way of life. But yeah, I, I can understand. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. First, while you guys, I didn't know, because I didn't grow up, like, super religious, uh, I didn't, so I didn't know that about Good Friday, where you can't eat meat for, Catholics don't eat meat on Good Friday. Um, it's worth mentioning that Josh and I went to the same high school, and around the time I was celebrating Easter, my best friends, Josh included, were Jewish, and, but I didn't sell, I, I didn't celebrate that many holidays, like, super religiously, but I paid attention when all my Jewish friends, you know, would come to school saying they couldn't eat bread, and I would ask why, and they explained that's Not what Passover Oh, that's... Oh, I'll let Josh take it from here. Basically, Passover is because Jews long, long time ago wandered throughout the desert, and they couldn't bake bread, so you can't have bread either. Isn't that a great holiday, folks? <laughs> I love it. And we did get a good animated movie out of it in The Prince of Egypt, but Passover growing up, I mean, when I was, I never really kept it until a few years in my 20s when I was in college. But that was because after a certain time, you get used to it. But once I moved out for real, it's like, good, I can go over to, we went over to my parents, had a nice Seder the first night. And then we came back the second night. And then it was, well, we visited Marnie's parents for the second night. But it was just like, it was to celebrate her mom's birthday because it was that day and my birthday, which was about a week after. But Oh, nice. It was really nice because we had Boston pizza, and I don't have to pretend like I'm keeping kosher anymore. <laughs> nice. <laughs> cool. Uh, Sorry, Mom and Dad. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, no. Um, I just remember, like, um, one of the things that I did notice was that um, about Passover is that, like, with uh, matzah, um, I learned a long time ago that uh, colitis is actually very common in Jewish men. And, uh, my dad never had a history of colitis, but my, but my uncle, uh, my dad's brother-in-law actually lost like a good portion of his digestive system to colitis. It's really, really sad. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, don't eat matzah. Yeah, no, matzah is not yeah. good for It you. is not a big unsalted cracker. It is a lie. I've had, I've had matzah. There are ways to make it taste really, really good. And most of them involve keeping the box sealed. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, are we gonna have a debate over which is better, Hanukkah or Christmas? Um, <laughs> I think it's a losing. See, battle. the stereotype is it's supposed to last eight days because it's based on a biblical story where oil in a lamp lasted for a week when it was only supposed to last well, four hours. But realistically, it's the same idea. Depending presents. Yeah. Depending on how yeah, you yeah, celebrate, yeah. Uh, Christmas lasts twelve <laughs> days technically. 
because you know there's that song 12 days of christmas unless you're orthodox then christmas is actually in the beginning of january and it's called epiphany that's true because they realize oh we can have our holiday in january and get even more time off um, work if you work at a shopping mall work. yeah it technically so, starts Josh, after Josh, uh, you're October. the first person you're the first jewish person i'd love to ask this question too but what is your opinion on adam sandler's eight crazy nights mm, christ <laughs> well fortunately it was it only lasted for one night but Netflix hasn't gotten the bright idea to uh, remake that in live action because if so, God help us all. Um, you know what? I will be Halloween too. I'm gonna know. I'm gonna kind of steal a one-liner from the nostalgia critic. I don't like quoting him, but I'm gonna do it this one time. I feel bad that there there are tons of movies about Christmas. Not all of them good. I'm looking at you, Christmas with the cranks. But mm. there are treasured Christmas movies that um, have stayed with like generations and have had remakes. Like Miracle on 34th Street has been remade. But you get the point. There's treasured Christmas classics. Hanukkah, I don't really know of that many mainstream holiday Hanukkah movies. Eight Crazy Nights is the only one that comes to mind. And it's disgusting. Miracle. What's it called? Full Court Miracle. Full Court. Disney Plus. It was a DCOM in the early 2000s. It stars uh, Alex D. Linz, who voiced young Tarzan. He was in Max Cable's Big Move. Mm. He plays this Jewish kid that's at an all-boys Jewish school, and they get a former basketball player. I forget who plays him, but basically he helps coach them to uh, win the school tournament. Mm. And it's it's kind of the same parallel as Hanukkah, but again, you know, Disney also likes to pretend that Hanukkah doesn't really exist. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if Perfect Christmas I would also lump in because not only do you have Christmas represented in that, but you have Hanukkah, you have Kwanzaa, you have Yule and Festivus technically with the Yule log. You have St. Lucia. I believe that's a holiday. The point is that actually is a pretty diverse uh, special. Uh, I think there was a Rugrats episode. I know there's a Christmas episode. Rugrats, Hanukkah, and Passover. They were underrated when it comes to representing holidays. Yeah, they were actually. They touched on like all the holidays. Mm. Which is nice. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention that one. Yeah, no, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Because <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, because we were like, well, we have one one night of Christmas, but then they have eight nights. And I'm like, oh, Here's oh, a question. How do you get presents nights. on somebody else's birthday instead of your own? <laughs> it's he's, like you he's get just that generous, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> just that generous. I think, as the year, I think as the years go by, like, this happens, I don't know if this happens to you guys, do you just forget your own age? No. Um, my, no. I believe some people do. What's my age I, again was never more questions than... I don't. It's been I happening don't. a lot lately where I go, wait, am I 27? No, I'm 20. I'm turning 28. Oh, okay. Oh. And then you start to think, like, back then, like, birthdays kind of meant the whole world to you. Yeah. With, like, tons still of gifts. still kind of do somewhat, but I guess the impact's a little more lessened, especially once you live on your own, because, you know, after that time, you don't see your family a lot, at least some of the extended family, so... The celebrations yeah. tend to be more, um, I guess you close the ranks a little bit. Yeah, a little low-key. I, um, well, my mom and I have this, uh, joke where, like, you know, my mom and I have said, I'm, she's only allowed to forget my birthday three times in her entire life, and she has forgotten my birthday once, but it was a light, it was a light forget. Um, my birthday is on the 19th of January, and... She for one year she thought my birthday was on the 18th instead of the 19th, but I said, "Uh, you, I like to tease her. 
you just because you mix up the deck, you have used up your forgetful card. One, you've used up one forget forget. Um, so my I have never forgotten my mom's birthday uh, once, but uh, yeah. I guess going back to your idea of like forgetting your age, I know it, it, to me it feels the same as like after New Year's Eve when it's like, oh yeah, it's no longer 2020. I gotta sign all my checks as 21 now. Or I gotta sign the date as 21. And when after my birthday, it's like, oh, I'm no longer 25. I gotta remember, I'm 26 now. It's like a mild adjustment period yeah. for me, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, it's funny, when you were talking before, Josh, about if you were wondering if there's like a playlist of songs, summer songs, that were from 2006 to 2007, you said? Uh, uh, it was like the Weather Network music. You were talking about the Weather Network. Yeah. <laughs> I just discovered yesterday, I was, uh, Veronica and I have been doing like some spring cleaning uh, this past weekend, and I just threw on, like I made a random playlist of, uh, of songs that uh, we just like to listen to on like a playlist on Apple Music. And I didn't realize that this happens, but if you have your Wi-Fi on, um, after your playlist is done, songs that you don't even have downloaded just start playing randomly, and it's based on an algorithm figuring out your type of music. And I'm like, okay, first of all, that's fucking scary. <laughs> like, how do you know my taste? Because it, it was kind of funny, like the songs that I'm like, hey, I haven't heard this in a while. It popped in, in there just randomly, or some new stuff. I'm like, hey, that's pretty good. But then all of a sudden they saw that there was another list on Apple Music, and it's based on this label, this uh, record label called uh, 4AD. Have you guys heard that? Mm-hmm. I, know I don't think so. Don't no. well. Yeah, I'm like, holy shit, all these thing, all this music I listened to under this umbrella, like going back all the way to the 90s with like Pixies and Bre- the Breeders, and then they go into like, um, I think they had, uh, had St. Vincent, they had Bonnie Barr, uh, they had the national. They had TV on the radio. Uh, I was like, shit, I gotta get into this record label a little bit more. But it was, I kind of laughed at myself. I'm like, oh no, have I found the A24 of music now? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been kind of following. Yeah, not to like, I guess we're jumping into this, but like, uh, I find A24 is like the movie studio that is really defining this generation's cinema. Yeah. Because apart from there's no, there's all, all it is is 100% independence. There's no formula. All they know is that people love to watch either dramas. People either love to watch comedies. People love to watch horror movies. Or do wait, did I say horror? (laughs) No, you you said drama, drama. comedy, horror. Yeah. And they're yet to do their very first fantasy one, hopefully this summer, because I know it got pushed because of COVID, but uh, The Green Knight looks oh, cool. awesome. That's... I feel like I'm the little teaser for this movie, The Green Knight. It's with Dev Patel, and it's based on, uh, I believe it's based on a Shakespeare uh, play, hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Which, which play? Uh, the Green Knight? Or maybe it's no, based it's on the poem play. of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. That's what it is. Not, not Shakespeare. What am I saying? Uh, yeah, yeah no, it looks really, it looks really good. Uh, yeah, I love A24. Hey, hey, Josh, um, while you're on the topic of memorizing, uh, like, I don't want to say stock music because that makes it sound insulting, because if the Weather Network music uh, kind of meant something to you, then I shouldn't, wouldn't want to refer to it as stock music, but, like, 
There's when we think of like royalty free stuff, we think not good, but there's some uh, like r tracks that are meant to just loop to something that are actually really good. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, Josh, a fun fact that I don't think Lyle and Cody knew about Josh and I is that um, when Josh and I were in high school, we had the same co-op placement for a semester at the same Rogers TV studio uh, up in Richmond Hill. R.I.P. Newkirk. Oh, right, yeah, that's not the... Well, I mean, it's it's still... Is it, is it not there anymore? Or... So the Rogers TV station where Evan and I... You did two terms of co-op. I yeah. only did one. The first term I did, I went up to Newmarket, and that was okay. It was a bitch to get to, like, just in terms of travel, because I had to go... I had to travel, like, 40 minutes... Two towns over, 40 minutes, uh, like, three, t three, three times a week, but yeah. We're bringing up some... Again, the year 2011 always tends to come up in every episode I'm ever on of this now lately. Well, I mean, it, that that's was, right, because this, this was 10 years ago. But go, staying on topic, the, the, the show you and I worked on was Daytime York Region. Daytime. And that opening theme was actually pretty solid. It, it was damn music. good. Yeah. Oh, man. But anyways, the building that we had our co-op in itself is still there, but the TV studio function, it was around almost four years ago that they basically shut that part down. Uh Cause the whole so it's mainly just a call center now. The whole building, yeah, was a call was a call center, and uh, it was and they also operated like repair trucks out of there. Like if you ever called and needed your cable fixed, those were the guys that that's where they came from. That was that was an interesting time. They they had some other shows where the stock music was okay, but I guess just because they worked the most on daytime, I that's the one I guess that stands out more. Um, there weren't. Were there you any? Did, you guys did a play, you said, or is this a short film? Oh no, this okay. What we did was um, we worked on regional television. That means five days a week we would show up at uh, we would show up at eight o'clock every morning. Um, Non-union. Pretty much, <laughs> we would show up. So at... The opposite of where you and Lyle are today, <laughs> or are you? And it, yeah, so it, yeah, but so basically. We showed up and worked on a local morning show that would start. The per, its call time was eight. They went on air at ten a.m. and they went off air at eleven a.m. The show was really cool. My favorite part of the show was Fun Fact Fridays, where uh, Jeff would essentially fire off fun facts because I'm a sucker for pointless trivia. So I usually, um, I believe, one time I contributed like. 10 fun facts to him and i think he actually had me on the show to like fire off facts with him because he would he would make it fun sometimes he would do facts with the guests and uh yeah um i i, I did go back on days when i had time like when i was in film school or after high school because they welcome you back as a volunteer even after your place i did school. that as well for a bit while i was in college it was like late 2012 like and early 2013 i came back a few yeah. times i came back when they had a tiger on the show and the everyone in the you were not the king of this tiger were you oh god no <laughs> no it was a, a local a local zoologist brought in a tiger and it was very calm their fur is so so soft yeah anyways so Lyle's looking at the ceiling again we oh, should you just, like, you just like you, you just you just made me remember uh, like a you just made me remember something from grade three or four. Yeah. Uh, we took a field trip in 
when when I was when I was in Windsor, we took we all took our class and I took a field trip to uh, this like I don't even know if it was like a pet store, but it was like a, some reptile store. Reptilia. Uh, a friend of ours from school, his dad owned this place, and uh, you know some like reptile place where it had a bunch of like newts and stuff, and. Um, there was, we go into the back, and I remember all of us sitting up onto, like, these benches, like, up high, kind of like when you, like, climb up on this, like, on this platform to get your coats back in grade school. We're all, like, sitting up really high, and then we're about, like, six feet down from, like, where the floor was at, and this, our friend's dad brought, brings out, like, this fucking 20-foot anaconda. Like, it was huge. It was, like, the hugest thing we've ever seen, and... I feel like my I've never developed a fear of snakes because I was sort of like so I knew I was safe, but I was also like wow I'm not scared because I know that this thing is tame. There's nothing venomous about it if it gets unleashed. And the funny thing is, when uh, our, one of them asks like does it have a name and it's like yeah we actually named it Jaws because it has a certain amount of like uh, I forget what it is like some some teeth. Uh, he went on facts about its teeth and why it's specifically called Jaws. And I looked over, and my teacher just whispers to me, like she, I, I, she kind of like points at me. She's like, "You like Jaws?" Because she knew that was like one, probably one of my favorite movies back then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Yay!" My teachers knew my taste in new movies back then. <laughs> yeah. Well, how old were you when you saw Jaws? I was. Ooh. I was probably seven or eight. Oh wow! Yeah, I was pretty young. Yeah, it's funny. I remember. I remember. Uh, like, I caught like the second half of that movie on TV once, and I knew about Jaws. Like, I knew that like this was a shark movie. I knew about the the famous poster and all that. But uh, I saw the second half of it on TV once, and uh, once it got up to like when Hooper, uh, or uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character goes into the cage. And he starts getting attacked by the shark. I just remember I had to shut it off because I was getting a little scared from it. But uh, it wasn't until one of my mom's friends, she lived next to a video store, and it wasn't like it wasn't the Top Gun video store or like any chain. It was just like a local, very local video store, and it was like a dollar for a night for all these movies. I remember I rented all four Jaws movies. From this place because I think we were staying over there. They were having like some. Uh, I don't know if it was a. Ba- I think it was a baby shower actually. Oh. And I remember watching Jaws and I was like, "Fuck, this is like." I just remember loving movies even more after watching it. It was like another profound kind of like love for cinema where I, I didn't remember. Like I know that Jurassic Park I mentioned was a big influence. Titanic was another big influence. Oh yeah. Jaws became Jaws became another big influence and. It was so funny that the whole scene when they were like getting ready to like shoot the shark and they have to like get the barrels ready and all that, like just the the ramping up and then how it kind of slows down once they stop chasing the shark. I just remember wa- rewinding that scene over and over and over again because I felt like, oh my god, this is so enticing. This is like movie making. Oh my god, like I literally kept rewinding that whole scene that I wasn't even done the movie yet. Wow. Yeah, and then watching Jaws two, three, and four. Fuck, did that weekend get worse and worse? And oh more lord! Yeah. <laughs> like, the second one's okay, I guess. It was. What's the second I, one about? I, 
The second one is basically just a repeat of the first one, but it just it feels like a teen slasher by the end of it, where it's just a bunch of teens out on stranded in the ocean, and they're all just getting picked off one by one. Yeah. It's like the mayor of the the Amity is once again, you know, neglecting uh, Roy Scheider. It's like, did you not learn from the first movie? It's like, you know, <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. Well, how many fucking... And then, Jaws, how and then many... Jaws 3 has, like, some of the worst effects of all time. And I noticed something yeah. was off about it. It's like, everything is, like, so in the forefront like this. I'm like, why is it like this? And I'm like, oh, right, we don't have any 3D glasses. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. That's when, th- when, it, when it occurred to filmmakers that you could make something in 3D, like, it became the biggest gimmick. And, okay, this is going to sound cheesy, but... Uh, Josh and I kind of grew up with the Spy Kids franchise, and in the summer of 2003, the third Spy Kids movie came out in 3D. Think about this. I saw that, I saw that in theaters, and I said, I'm never seeing a 3D movie ever again, because my eyes are fucking hurting. Yeah, well, they sold it like it was going to be the coolest thing ever. But I was a kid. And it wasn't. Red and blue glasses, as opposed to, like, the clearer ones. Yeah, the it wasn't movie. until si- it wasn't until six years later when certain blue people came on screen where I went, oh, okay, never mind. 3D is something kind of special now. Oh, I do feel this sense of nostalgia when I see the red and blue gla- glasses. There's something so kitsch about it. <laughs> I remember when it, like Spike Kids 3D. Like there were two movies in my childhood that I can remember being super super hyped for. There is Spike Kids 3D and The Incredibles. Wow, polar guess, opposite. Guess which one of... still holds up. Which one? Sorry, sorry. Which one's alive? Spy Kids 3D and The Incredibles. Ah. <laughs> so which one held? And up? both of them had sequels years later. Guess which one held up? Uh, uh, I neither. Incredibles. Good question. They're both okay. Spy, spy Kids. No, that's a lie. Okay. I'd rather watch Incredibles 2 than the god awful Spy. I heard that all the time. I heard the 3D would age bad. They said hold our soda, and they made a 4D one. Yeah, yeah, it was smell of vision or whatever. What the hell? Like I didn't. I mean, at the same time, it gave us Rowan Blanchard, who would later go on to do Girl Meets World and Goldberg and Snowpiercer. Now, so she got better. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, this is a, this is a, this is a random question, but do you guys? Before, let's just say before, like, YouTube was really big, like, back in the day when, like, Funny Junk and E-Bombs World was a thing. Oh, God. Did you guys, did you guys ever watch movie trailers on QuickTime.com? Yes. I feel like, yes, yeah. I did. They like, had, like, is... QuickTime versions of trailers. Yeah, yeah, like, way back in the day. You had, like, the 2003, 2004, 5, and all that. Like, that's how I was able to, like, watch, like, newer movies. Um I remember I was so excited to see iRobot. Nice. I remember watching the trailers over and over again, and anytime they released like a, even just a, a clip of the movie, I would get excited. It just looks like it just looked like such a cool looking movie, and I think that was the very first time ever experiencing disappointment. Oh, seriously? <laughs> like well, even like as a I kid, like because that was two thousand four, so I would have been like ten, maybe turning eleven. And you, you don't even know what disappointment is at such a young age, or you don't even want to say you were disappointed because you were looking forward to something. But, like, when something doesn't feel right after you see the movie and you don't feel like to see it again, you're like, something's off. 
like why didn't this why did this underwhelm me and it took me years to like you know figure out why and it was just the fact that like the whole movie is just very miscast and it's kind of a a lackluster mystery well it yeah, was i don't know it, hey, it, i don't know why that jumped to mind but it, like that it, that kind of was like a, a big milestone of like yeah. disappointment Apparent. Um. Uh. Just going back to your whole note on, uh. You know, watching quick time trailers. I guess I'm kind of a, a strange kid in that my the average friend that I had was using the internet at eight years old. Yeah. No. As crazy as that sounds, like uh, I remember my best friend in second grade had email, and I learned what email was from him. So basically, I didn't have. Okay, I wasn't allowed to use the internet until I was 10. I was I didn't have an email address until I was 12, and I didn't have my own laptop until I was 15. So yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat with you. Yeah. yeah. So basically, I mean, so case in point, certain certain parents and I honestly think that certain parents and I hope like a lot of parents uh, later on would consider like giving like, social media and certain, like, electronics to kids when they're a little bit older, just so they get, like, that kind of experience. Because I feel like our generation, we were kind of, I mean, depending on the circumstance, it was only computers in, there were only computers available in school Yeah. for a good chunk of our lives, like, before, I don't know, we hit our 20s. Yeah. Like, and social media wasn't really, like, a big thing until, like, arguably... 2008, 9-ish, yeah. like, Facebook and, and Twitter. I don't know if Twitter was really big at the time, but, like, we have to remember MySpace. Oh, my God. Twitter? That's going back to, that's going back to ancient times yeah. now with MySpace. What you but need to know about Twitter... Try, try to, I, I think try to introduce, like, kids to, like, a life before the, the, the convenience and just the over... Uh, reliance of, of electronics and social yeah. media like i don't know it, it can almost like teach them a bit like a, a bit of a lifestyle because i would right very now i i think that kind of early stage in my life because today i don't feel like i need to rely on it i just need to use it when i need it i don't yeah. use it because i have to need it because there's a lot of people out there that feel like they have to be on their phones scrolling or doing something yeah you know, I, I would agree. I don't with... mean to throw up the flow of conversation, but I've got an important appointment that I've got to get to in like an hour, so I gotta eat something. Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna yeah. hop off, and I'm sorry for having you look at us so awkwardly, Lyle. That's what? fine. What? Yeah. Uh, it's a side thing. Sometimes I never know the full context of something, but it's like I'm talking, I can see someone just kind of staring. I'm like, should I? Change the topic, should I... No, I just saw this thing on the else? wall. I wasn't sure if it was like a piece of tape or something. What did it. you see? I don't know, I'm just looking at the wall and it looks like there's a piece of tape on there. Oh. Anyways, Josh, we won't keep you if you have to go, so uh, don't yeah. worry. Uh, take care. Yeah, good. I will be talking to you us. very soon. Yeah, cool. Yeah, See good, ya. Good, good, good luck today, buddy. And, uh, right! Yeah. Okay, yeah. do, do we want to tell him what the appointment is? I guess we may as well. Uh, well, if you don't want I'm to, basically, I've got to go get a jab in my arm for the good of still being an essential worker, quote unquote. Yay! So, Josh, round one. Josh is getting complete. his first dose of COVID, vac- the COVID vaccine. 
He's getting COVID. Well, you're technically you're getting a dead. I I gotta eat some lunch so I can not be late. So I'll see y'all later. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Josh. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. Uh. Yeah. Going back to the whole conversation about the internet. Um. I would agree with that. Uh. Very much. Um. Because. Uh. Like. I. yeah, no, I, I, it, it weirds me out whenever I see kids these days having iPods. Like, no, no, no. There are tablets. No. Tablets. There know? are, there are five-year-olds with tablets. It weirds me out. Who needs yeah, toys it's a bit anymore? Strange. Oh. Well, Who needs toys anymore? And you wonder why Toys R Us in the United States, uh, tanked. Not because, it's not because kids aren't playing with physical, like, toys. It's because Toys R Us as a retailer didn't really... Uh, innovate and keep up to date with uh, innovate uh, retail trends like other retailers did. Um, but yeah, a lot but of board games. Board games, on the other hand, I think those will strive. No, those are good. No, I, I feel f- like those have had a resurgence as of late. Th- thanks to uh, p- kids in their yeah. tw- p- thanks to people in their twenties who go to cafes to play them, they're coming back. Yeah. Um, and just being at home, you know, a lot of people at home now, so... Oh, that, that is very true, yeah. Um, my, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I agree, I agree with that very much about, you know, the whole internet. Uh, what's your history with, uh, you know, discovery of the internet? Because, um, without getting too personal, um, on the top, since we're on the topic of, like, internet milestones, uh, the first time I ever, you know, watched porn, uh, was when I was 13. So, I think that's the perfect age. I don't mean to get too. I I mean, I mean it's, it's a funny story. This is actually a funny story I want to bring up, but like, sure. I mean, I don't even care if it's like if I find it too personal. It's actually a funny story that's gonna make you guys laugh. Go ahead. Do you want to know the Do you want to know the very first thing that I ever uh, you know touched myself to? What 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 was it? Was, it? it was it was the sex scene from the Terminator. The first Terminator. <laughs> Yeah, it's the only movie. I'm not kidding. I'm dead serious. And it wasn't even like it was on the internet too. Uh, I, I don't know why it was it had to be that one. That's <laughs> uh, a good one. Like, talk about talk about boobs. as tame as you can get. Oh my god, because that's just like a passionate love making scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the hands squeezed together, um, it symbolizes the okay. orgasm. Uh, oh god. Um I think my first sex scene that I enjoyed, like, back in the day was the one in Monsters Ball. And I know it's not like... It... Make me feel good! I want to feel, feel good. good! Make me feel good! Like, I don't even... I don't know the full context, and so I know it's a, probably not as sexy as it is. But, like, I just like seeing Halle Berry nude. I am a simple man. And it's I feel really... bad because I haven't seen that movie, but I've I mean, seen yeah. that scene because it was referenced so much in Chappelle show. Oh. Yeah. Uh, what can I say? It's it's a pretty rough sex scene, and you know, yeah. isn't it crazy so, to realize that it's because of that movie that Halle Berry is the only African American woman to win an Oscar for Best Actress as of yet. Wait, I, I thought uh, Viola... No, that was best... Supporting Actress. Okay, yeah. Supporting Actress, yeah, other women of color have gotten that, but, like, yeah. Halle Berry remains didn't the only... Le, but wait, didn't Lupita Leongo win for 12 Years a Slave? She did. That's a supporting actress role, though. Yeah. That was supporting? Oh, yeah. I yeah. thought that was lead. No. You think it would be oh. lead? 
Yeah, that should have been weed. What? Oh, fuck. We want to bring up the Oscars? Jesus. We'd be getting into politics, but... Okay, then yeah, we're going to stay away from yeah, the Oscars. Let's steer, yeah, let's steer away. I don't want to tangent. Yeah, I don't... I just... You have enough to say with the Oscars to but, fill uh, up, so... Yeah, anyways... Evan, what, was, what sex scene did you really like back in the day? Um, back in the day, um... I don't... Here's the thing. I don't have... I'm trying to think of, like, the first... One of the first, like, times I ever actually saw, like, a sex scene that I was like, whoa, this is really hot. Uh, I, I watched it out of context, but uh, my dad had uh, a cable package that had, like, a lot of the Showcase channels on. So, one night on Showcase Action, one, I think the third Highlander movie was on, and there was a really hot sex scene in that. Um, see, I, my memory, I, I, my memory with, like, the first sex scene that I ever, you know, got into and touched myself to is pretty vague. However, um, I remember the first movie I watched after I lost my virginity. Uh, my partner and I, we watched, uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley on the night I lost my virginity. The Talented? I haven't seen that yet. Is that good? It's, no, it's pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty. You saw it for the first time with me, like about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that the movie where? Or maybe I'm getting it mixed up with something else. But is that the movie where people paid to see it in theaters back then just to watch the trailer for Phantom? No, Menace? you're thinking of. Uh, it's a Brad Pitt movie. You're thinking of. Oh, Meet Joe Black. Meet that Joe Black. Yes, That's yes. the name of it. Yeah. yeah. I always get those two mixed up. Also, I don't know why they're not similar at all. Also, yeah. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. <laughs> But, you know what, um, going back to the whole, uh, yeah, I know, so, um, yeah, the, yeah, no, that's, that's not it, uh, if, have you read, have you read, not watched the movie, but read the book, The Disaster Artist? I haven't read it, but I know friends that have read the novel, and it's funny, when my friend Pat, who, like, he loves the room, and he loves the book, The Disaster Artist, when he saw the movie... I don't know if it was just he probably was just so excited that he just kind of got let down a bit by the movie because he felt like it didn't go the movie didn't go as much into the book as it should have. It kind of just took a very nice like safe like skim pro like a like a broad approach to what like the book was about. Because yeah. apparently there's stuff that was completely cut out. Or I, I he found it funny how like at the end of the movie for spoilers who hasn't seen it yet. Um, like, when everyone's laughing in the theater, like, that took decades to get to that step. Yeah. Like, the movie made it seem like it was just an instant cult laugh out loud so bad it's a good movie, like, right at premiere night, when it really, it took, like, years to get to that point, because apparently it was just a, it was a miserable, like, like, people, like, were crying, because, like, what? We wasted our time. Like, the crew members, like, we wasted our time. Look at this. Well, this is, like, a disaster. Yeah, like, I, I remember at the at the premiere... Th by the way, it, the book ends with the movie beginning, and then uh, Greg's hysteria... It's at, Gre my, my friend, Steven, who introduced the book to me, um, yeah. he told me that the last words of the book depressed him and made him sad for, like, a week. I'm like, why? And But then I read the book, I'm like, oh... I see because the reason why he it was so depressing is because Tommy was so poured that much time that much effort and on the night of the premiere the audience had no clue how to react I didn't know people cried but if there I if I can picture people crying I can see Juliet Danielle who played Lisa crying I can possibly see the actress who played Claudette crying no no 
the actress who played Claudette just went along with everything and, and was the good sport throughout the whole thing. But I, if anyone cried, it would be the actress who played Lisa. Be, I mean, I get why they did it for the movie, because, you know, they take a liberty, they take, you know, it, it works yeah. narratively and nicely as a movie, but, yeah, I don't know, I... I it's it's hard to do adaptations sometimes. The yeah. the reason why we brought up the room is because uh, the talented Mr. Ripley was one of Tommy Wiseau's favorite movies when it came out, and he loved it so much mm. that he named the character Mark after Matt Damon. After Mark Damon, because he thought his name was Mark Damon. Oh, I thought God. that I'm not fucking. Kidding. I thought that was hilarious, and I think it's hilarious for an extra reason. I have always thought that Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg look alike, and apparently I'm not the only one who thinks that, because, fun fact, Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg get mistaken for each other when they're out in public all the time, and they actually have a, a deal with each other where if one gets mistaken for the other, they just play, they, they just agree to play along. Like, if, so if Matt Damon, if Matt Damon ever gets told by someone hey mark Wahlberg, i loved you and ted he'll just be like yeah no that bear and i they, we were we, we had a great time they, they just go he along with Chica- it. He, he puts on a chicago accent yeah and he plays it up yeah, yeah. that's funny wait well, t- you think that's bad just look at jesse plemons everyone oh. just kept calling him meth damon because he was in a sh- he's his claim to fame before breaking bad was friday night lights uh and but yeah. uh he, yeah. but uh, to me, I think Jesse Plemons is like the perfect amalgamation of Philip Seymour Hoffman and Matt Damon. Yeah, it, look, it, he's doing so many dramas yeah. right now, and I'm yeah. like, this guy's got range. I mean, I always see Todd, but I still like seeing him on the screen now. Yeah, he's working yeah. a lot with Charlie Kaufman, and Charlie Kaufman worked a lot with like Philip Seymour Hoffman before he died. So um, I don't know. It's it's funny how this works. Yeah. He's like circles it's it's cool it's cool now that like i mean we're kind of in a, an interesting era like we probably talked about it before with like famous people where i don't necessarily think like movie stars is a term we're not going to be using anymore in the future i think it's going to be just people that are well known yeah because there's a lot of, and especially just in the even in the streaming era like you'll start to notice that like there's a lot of like familiar people you'll start to be like hey this person's in it this person's in it and, but they're not really like glamorized or anything like that they're just talented for what they do you know yeah. like do you know do you guys know uh christine uh mela tonti no i forget how to pronounce her last is name is that the girl from that one black mirror episode the sand no not sand jumper the the uss McAllister one yes yeah she was in she's fargo in that, season she's, two she's also in uh the, a new movie called uh palm springs yeah wasn't she also in fargo season two yes the, yeah, she kind of looks like talia shire yeah i know what you're talking about <laughs> Like, she's, she's someone, like, she's just one example. There's other examples, too. There's uh, O'Shad Jackson Jr. Uh, there's also this other really, uh, what's his name? John Gallagher Jr., I think that's his name. He's from, uh, he's from Hush. He's from, uh, what was that movie called? Oh, Short Term 12. It's with uh, Brie Larson. He, w- he was also in 10 Cloverfield Lane. He was the other guy in the bunker. Oh, oh okay. That guy, I yeah. Um, O'Shea Jackson, yeah, we all know him. He's uh, he played Ice Cube and uh, Straight Outta Compton. 
Oh, um, Cube's son, he, yeah. he was also in Ingrid Goes West. Like, there's all there's just these really great, talented actors and actresses that are out there that I just find that they're not going to be like known for like, like it's not going to be like a George Clooney or a you know a, a Julia Roberts kind of situation where it's like those are like movie stars. It's just going to be like more well-known people that are going to pop up in streaming services. That's it's not going to be like this glamorized. I, sense to it. But on the contrary, I feel like once film festivals and convention and cons uh, open up again and people can actually go and network in person, uh, they will they'll be at cons and people will know who they are and that's kind of how they'll get to you know get out there and socialize because in a pre-COVID world, I mean, YouTubers would go to conventions all the time and mingle with each other and that's another that's another thing like. Um, you can be a celebrity, like, if you've got, if you're, like, PewDiePie, no one's gonna know you like a movie star, but they will know you because you're one of the biggest, there was a time when PewDiePie was on top of the YouTube, like, food chain, like, he was, yeah. at one point, he had the highest subscriber count uh, of any YouTuber. And he had that for a long but, time. Yeah. But I find there's gonna be no status, there's gonna be no more of that, that, that I just find like that old that Hollywood kind of era is kind of like it's either dead or it's just completely deflating to where people don't really care anymore about I, it. Do you think that's a good thing? Because there's an, an argument can be made that it is a good thing because, um, without getting into politics, people are are getting sick of celebrities no matter what political affiliation they believe. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine, you know, it's hard to imagine, like, Tom Cruise in an indie movie as a supporting actor. Like, that, that to me is hard to imagine. Like, well, he's, he... like, one of the last few people that I can, like, from Hollywood that I'm, like, they just want to go far and beyond and still try to do the blockbusters, like, well, the A-lister kind of thing. Well, you remember that one thing when, like, Gal Gadot and a whole bunch of celebrities started singing, like, the Imagine thing? Yeah. During COVID. Oh, Jesus and that, that got a ton of flack. hated it because it felt so patronizing and condescending. And it's like, you guys are rich. Why? How about instead of singing a song, how about you start, like, donating to, like, actual, like, people trying to develop a cure what but you know you can just sit in your mansion well, and like be safe and we'll just on that, that note yes that was cringy i'll give you that uh that's why you gotta be like yeah. tom hanks who donated his blood to create a vaccine yeah, for covid he, he was one of the few who actually had the fucking thing yeah also dolly parton yeah. used used money that she made from a christmas album to fund vaccine research so good on her like mm. that's not just but here's the thing pete when people cringe at celebrities they don't think of the tom hanks's and the dolly pardons they think of the gal gadot's and the uh what's another celebrity that you know continuously comes off as pretentious and makes an ass of his or herself and just is so out of touch we don't think of celebrities as like the donors and the humanitarians we think of them as uh virtue signaling and out of touch with reality i think the thing is leo we dicaprio don't, we don't watch them for their opinions we watch them because we like how they perform but when they start getting on a high horse is when people start to dislike them well the pro well also um leonardo dicaprio like i a lot of the points he makes about environmentalism is they're, re they're extremely valid but the hypocrisy is you know you you bitch people out for you know having big carbon footprints but you flew a makeup artist from Australia to LA 
which is the longest flight in the world that any that any on any flight path. It, do you know how much CO two gets burned into the atmosphere when you fly a a, a makeup artist on a private jet on the longest flight in the world? Yeah, Leo, you're a hypocrite. Shut up. Well, it's like we saw it. We watched Team America: World Police last night. That's true. That is and true. And that movie really <laughs> slams like liberal or like you know outspoken celebrities. Don't you love it when? Okay, I think we should just hang the no politics rule because well, this... I'm not even talking about liberals. I'm just saying like celebrities can be kind of full of themselves, and they feel like since they're so rich and famous, that they have a platform that they feel that they have to. Yeah, like even the Oscars sometimes people complain about that when they win their awards well, and they go on a long tangent. To be fair, it's largely the conservative audience that complains the loudest because they're the because they're the ones that you know they disagree. Not only do they disagree with everything, with virtually everything that a Hollywood actor is going to say, unless it has unless it's something along the lines of that something like something that they agree with. Um, that's. That's why, like, you know, when you see what happened with Gina Carano, you know, the only people on her side are people with right-wing views. But anyway, so just to steer this back, yeah, um, I kind of, I don't even know where we're going with this. Uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, celebrities. I think that's an interesting point. Like, what if, like, you know, being a filmmaker, like, didn't propel you to God status anymore? What if it was just, like, you're another person who's doing some good in the world and it should be kind of left at that? Like, um... Also, I'm going on, on the note of how you say big A-list celebrities will never do indie films. It's not that they never will do indie films. It's just that uh, indie films, unfortunately, can't afford them. But I respect the actors who, you know, will take pay cuts or will just go into an indie film for free, uh, who will just donate their time to make it happen. That's why, like, as much yeah. as I respect Robert Downey Jr., do either of you guys remember, like, a few years back when an article came out about him painting him in a not-so-good light where Robert Downey Jr. Ba basically went to town on indie filmmakers, and I guess he had a really bad experience with some indie filmmakers where they were super unprofessional and they asked him to pay for a bunch of stuff that he didn't agree to pay for, but he, you know, said some really condescending shit, like, it's like, no, I'm not gonna be in your indie film because you're inexperienced and lame. It's like... Not all of us can be a recovered drug addict who became the biggest movie star in the world because an indie filmmaker, that's what John Favreau used to be, gave you a second chance, buddy. So, like, as much as I yeah. can love and respect Robert Downey Jr., I can dislike his opinion on that. So Yeah, I mean, that, that goes back to that whole thing about, you know, can you separate the art from the artist? You know, it's... I was... Uh, I was. I don't know, man. Sometimes it's really hard to watch Kevin Spacey movies. I've talked. <laughs> I've. Well, you know how I feel about A Bug's Life. Um, I mean, I don't hate A Bug's Life. I mean, you hate A Bug's Life. I don't like it very much, though. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not too big on that one either. I mean, the circus bugs were kind of fun in the movie. They're the movie. highlight of the movie. Um, the only. It's, Hopper is an amazing villain, but it's just that there are two lines that Kevin Spacey has in that movie. Uh, that don't sit well with me after his whole allegation. Oh, oh, I know which one you're talking about. Do you yeah, know what the, the little girl scene? The, no, this. Yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, yeah, where he thinks he thinks the real bird is a, is another fake bird, and and then it, it it doesn't last very long though, and then he gets eight right away. But the first one yeah, is, yeah, no, the first one is when um, you know, uh, they bring out the 
like grasshopper who's like half dog i don't know what the deal with that character was but there's this grasshopper that is so monstrous and he's a beast and they have to keep him on a zip tie leash and then dot the the little the princess ant is so scared that she tries to run away hopper grabs her and he goes what's the matter are you scared of grasshoppers and then that's when flick like just loses it and says leave her alone and that start that was like the the little snowball that starts an avalanche in terms of the movie's events but um because then hopper later in the movie is like but there was that ant that stood up to me. Yeah, but we can forget about him. It was just one ant. And then he gives one of the best villain speeches you'll ever hear. But yeah. Um, no. But I separated the art from the artist. Yeah, no, the point is, while there are a couple lines that make my skin crawl, I still think Hopper's a great villain and Kevin Spacey plays him really well. Um, can't yeah. say... Any other... Uh, I'm not... I haven't watched... Have, I, have either of you guys seen Pay It Forward? Yeah, that's an awkward one too because he spends a lot of time with Haley Joel Osment. You know what? Uh, yeah, I'm not actually a big fan of that movie. I find it very manipulative and sappy. It, it is undeniably. It's and it has an ending that yeah, it's like it, it's all just for the tearjerker. I don't know. That, I'm, I'm not too big on it. Little bi- little piece of trivia: that movie is directed by the same lady who directed Deep Impact. Cool. Yeah, yeah, she she directed. Well, Pay Deep F- Impact's a well, Deep Impact's a better movie than that. But. Yeah, um, but like when I, I think when I think of art versus artists in terms of musicians, like I, I think the two that come to mind most for me are uh, Guns and Roses and Oasis. Oh okay. Oh because god, yeah, Axl Gun- Rose. What Gun- a Axl Rose is such a dickhead. He has such an ego. Yeah. He rubs everyone's shoulders the wrong way. He, he has to have it. He's, he's like a diva, basically, in rock history. Yeah. Like, um, he'll straight up cancel shows if he doesn't feel it or if he just, like, gets annoyed on, on the stage. Wow. Like, you saw one guy take out a camcorder during a show, like, he was in the front, and he just fucking leaps off stage and attacks the guy. He's like, all right, fuck the lame-ass security. I'm going home. Smash the microphone. <laughs> Well, even his even his own like commitment to the band and his talent has also diminished through time. Like, have you yeah. seen that the way he sings on stage throughout the past like ten years? He looks pretty rough now. Yeah. Okay. Do, do you guys know Miles Kennedy by any chance? No. Who's Miles Kennedy? Miles Kennedy is he? Miles Kennedy is the singer from. He's mainly known for the, being the singer from Alter Bridge. Okay. And he's actually a very talented singer, but he's actually went on to do his own solo stuff, actually collaborating with Slash. And he's done much better singles, or not singles, sorry, much better covers of Guns N' Roses songs than Axel has in the past 10 years. Yeah. Uh, like, look at, look, at, look at Miles Kennedy and Slash doing a cover of Sweet Old Child of Mine, and, and then go to a live performance of just Axel Rose singing, and you're like, what the fuck happened to this guy? Yeah, no, I feel like he has a lot of baggage, and I'm sorry to hear that, but, like, yeah, there's there's a lot of times... It, like, I, I remember, like, he even had, like, a really awful spat with Kurt Cobain, because he had this stupid oh. fucking idea. It's like, oh, Kurt, we're some of the biggest bands in the 90s, let's have a mega concert with Nirvana, Guns N' Roses, and Metallica. And Kurt Cobain was like, no, that's a stupid idea, that none t- of that works. Totally that... Metallica and Guns N' Roses makes sense, but yeah. Nirvana in that mix, no. Yeah, because Metallica's heavy metal, 
Guns N' Roses is like glam rock, hard rock, whatever, and, and then Nirvana is like alternative rock, grunge, yeah. punk. Like none it wouldn't of it work. Is. Yeah. Yes, but and then after you know, after uh, Kurt said, oh, yeah. um, I'll just Cut. finish it off. Yeah. After Kurt said no, you know what, you know what Axel did? He was like, yeah, will you ever keep that wife of yours in line? Oh shit! <laughs> Kurt really hated that. Like, why, dude? Stay at, uh. Leave leave people's partners out of it, man. Yeah, seriously. Rose, he just he's unprofessional to me. Much like the guys from Oasis, uh, and the brothers. Another example that you have brought to my attention uh, is uh, I didn't know this for a long time, but I just found out in the past year that Gene Simmons of Kiss is actually a huge douche. And when I heard what he said, I actually kind of agree. Yeah. Well. What ex- I don't apparently he said something along the lines of like people with mental illness should just kill themselves rather than like try to get better. Yeah, you said that. I I I didn't. Wait, I, when you said when you said Metallica, you actually made me. Oh, sorry. Continue your point, Evan. But I just wanted to bring up something about Metallica. It's that that well. My point was like you know did uh it's it, did he like do you know what happened like do you think maybe like you know. Gene Simmons had someone in his life who committed suicide and was just like, you know, that's it. There's no hope for people with mental problems because they're just going to kill themselves or whatever. I don't know. but It's either it's either that or just probably, again, ego and feeling superior kind of just makes them oblivious yeah, of today's, ignorance. you know, mental problems. Like, yeah, yeah it's kind of the case of that. What I was going to say about Metallica was, um, I love, I mean, as much as, like, they are definitely probably one of the most dysfunctional bands of all time, I mean, yeah. if you want to see, like, how really rough they get, you should watch that documentary, Some Kind of Monster, where... Mm-hmm. They fucking argue just about a drum beat, and then they storm out of the room. Like, they slam the door at each other. Like, it's just, it's pretty brutal sometimes with them. But one song in particular that they flat-out hate, that they regret, and a lot of Metallica fans hate it as well, is off of their Ride the the Lightning album, uh, Escape. Okay, I haven't heard that one, so... And so apparently this is a song that they just filled in as just filler, just because the record producers were just gouging at them to fit uh, at a certain uh, time limit. And they just phoned in that song, and they hate that song so much. And now even, like, I mean, Brad Lightning is, like, a classic album, but, like, people will say, like, that song sucks. And there was one live performance where they were doing, like, an anniversary of the album. They were playing the whole album from track one to the last track. And they get to Escape, and you can tell they're just kind of, like, foaming in. And then finally, uh, James Hetfield just stops playing, and he's just, like, all right, can we just like can we all agree that we just want to skip this song and the whole crowd just started cheering louder and they're like there we go okay yeah it's like, they're just like fuck they're just like fuck it like we don't care about this nah. I, love how, I love how honest they are about that it's interesting uh, when a musician says that they, some of their biggest songs are the ones they hate the most um, yeah, like, uh, oh, you mentioned Oasis. Sorry, someone just mentioned Oasis. I, I, uh, mentioned, I, I yeah, mentioned like, Oasis. They hate Wonderwall. Yeah, it's a simple song. Yeah, I like I like Wonderwall. I like playing Wonderwall. That's always this. Anytime I have a capo, I'm always going to throw it on the second fret and start playing Wonderwall. Yeah, or I, like Radiohead nice with uh, Creep. They really hate that song because it's kind of like the one they're best known for. Doesn't Nirvana have the same grievance with Smells Like Teen Spirit? Yeah, Kurt got yeah, pretty yeah. Tough. Well, they didn't expect it to be so huge. Like Kurt even was... uh, even uh, 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 Beastie Boys with uh, Fight for Your Right to Party. That was apparently supposed to be like just a parody of the frat boy mentality. 
But then the Frat Boys stole that song and made it as an anthem, and they're like, well, we kind of failed with our intention on releasing that song. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if, I I don't know what Black Sabbath's opinion on Paranoid is, but apparently they didn't expect Paranoid to be a mega hit. It was a filler track. Simplicity through necessity often makes the best things, or something like yeah. that. I forget yeah. what the f- term is, but yeah, sometimes if you put less thought into <laughs> it, you can come up with something that resonates more with people, which is kind of sad in a way. It's like, but you know, it depends. Here's, a... <clears throat> Here's a question. Yeah. What are your guys' favorite films from the past decade in the 2020? The 2010s. Oh, that's you know I made a post about this. Um, I'm gonna see if I can find it, but uh, I did make a write a post about you know what I thought my favorite movies from the decade were. Um, Yeah, I had one for each year. And on Letterboxd, I picked like my ten favorites of the decade. Okay, so um, I'm gonna just do a lightning round right now. Um, So. There are three movies... Okay, so my favorite movie from 2010 was The Social Network. I I did this. I said, I'm going to name three movies I loved from this decade. One of them was my favorite, but two of them I recommend anyone see before they die. In 2010, my favorite from the year was The Social Network. Um, Movies, three that I would recommend people see before they die from 2010 were Black Swan, The Town, and Scott Pilgrim. In 2011, my personal favorite film was Limitless. Three I would recommend seeing before you die from that year are Super 8, Crazy Stupid Love, and Unknown. Uh, 2012, my personal favorite film was The Avengers. That's the reason why, I know that sounds like a cliche choice, but The Avengers had me had, I had more fun in a movie theater watching The Avengers than I had with any other movie in what had to have been four or five years. That's how big a deal it was. Yeah. So for that reason, The Avengers was my favorite 2012 movie. Movies that from that year I recommend are Dij- Django. I almost said Django. Django Unchained. Being silent hillbilly boy. Django Unchained, Looper, and The Perks of Being a Wallflower. <laughs> my personal favorite film of 2013 was Her. Uh, movies I recommend from that year are Pacific Rim, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, from 2014, my favorite was Boyhood. I know Lyle doesn't like that movie. Cody, I don't know how Co- you feel Cody about it. Cody likes it. Oh, you like Boyhood? Okay. I like Boyhood. Oh, I, I like it. I, I, I like it, but I don't love it. It's not a movie I want to watch again, but I thought it was a neat little experiment. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you forget how Did you forget how long the movie was uh, when you were in it? Because I saw that on a date, actually, and... Uh, I actually kind of lost track of the time because I'm like, wow, I'm 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 liking uh, the story. The length, the length didn't really bother me that much. It was just one part near the end where I felt like there there was literally one part where I felt like this was the ending. But I'm like, oh shit, it's still going. And now I'm like, okay, now it kind of feels its length. But then it just kind of ended right away. So what? I was kind of like, like when he drove okay, what was off the point because it was at a point where he's driving away, and yeah. I, I was like, oh, he's become an adult now. Maybe he'll make, you know, Manhood one day. <laughs> like a sequel. Oh, yeah. God. 
I'm like, it keeps going, and it kind of just keeps going while he's in school and he meets the girl, and they're kind of just at the at the end there with each other, and I'm kind of like, okay, just decides to end there. I don't know. It just kind of felt like, um, why end there? That's yeah, Richard Linklater okay. for you. Uh, two fun facts, and then I'll move on <laughs> about Boyhood. Richard Linklater, for years, he called the project 12 years because that's how long it took to film the whole movie. It, uh, it took 12 years to make! Oh my god! So he wanted to call it 12 years, but uh, they changed it because it would have been le- it would have been too similar to 12 Years a Slave, which came out the year before. Uh, mm. Other movies I'd recommend from 2014 were Whiplash, Interstellar, and Nightcrawler. Uh, from 2015... 2015 is probably my favorite year for movies out of this decade. You guys might disagree. My favorite from that year was The Martian. Uh, three I'd recommend are uh, Room, Straight Outta Compton, and Inside Out. 2016, La La Land was my personal favorite. Shoot me. I don't care. I had fun with it. Um, You're for, very defensive. For, well, because every time... To- okay, when like, I ta- it's your opinion. When, I, ta- when I talk to other f- people in the film... Okay, People, no one hates La La Land more than people who work in the film industry. Every, the I've only met one person who works in film who loves La La Land more than I do. Everyone else either th- in film that I know either thinks La La Land is okay at best or is yeah. horrible. Yeah, I, I don't. Oh, well, I'm, about to, oh, I'm about to break the mold because I think it's good. Oh, great! It's yeah, pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Cool. It's awesome. Good. Yeah. Nice. It's not great, uh, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, I can. Cody, what's your reaction when Moonlight stole the Oscar <laughs> from them? They didn't by, steal by it. That, uh, mistake. Well, okay, well, I mean, we'll get into my picks later on, but I thought it was the most. It was the best. I was like, did N. Night Shyamalan write this Oscar night? Like, <laughs> I thought. I thought the mistake was a deliberate plan. It wasn't though. But and okay, so my other from 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 2016 three that i'd recommend are arrival nocturnal animals and hidden figures from 2017 my favorite was baby driver uh three i'd recommend bef- seeing before you die from 2017 are the shape of water which means we'll allow again to that one the disaster artist and get out from 2018 my personal favorite cody you're not gonna like this was green book um, <laughs> movies three I would recommend seeing before you die are Black Klansman, Annihilation, and Freaks. Um, from 2019, uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood resonated with me the most. Um, but three I would recommend are Joker, Jojo Rabbit, and Ford vs. Ford Ferrari. All right. And that's my decade. Okay. Yeah. Those are some, that's quite a list. Yeah. You got, you got most of them? That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, my list, I don't really go by year. I just have like a... Uh, my first pick was definitely The Shape of Water. I really loved how unique it felt. It, it reminded me a lot of, like, the early 2000s, like, French Wave with, like, Amelie and stuff. Like, it had so much personality to it. And another reason why I love that movie is because I, t- I, I saw it on my first date with Veronica, actually. I took her to see yep. it. And, uh, it's not an easy movie to hold someone's hand to, because there's a lot of hand trauma in that movie. Wow. <laughs> but I kept inching my... So- I inched my hand to her, like, every so often, but I'd be like, eh, pulled back, and she started noticing this, and then she finally took my hand, and I was like, whoa. Nice. That was, uh, yeah, The Shape of Water was excellent. Um, you want when to I, when, I saw, when I first saw The Shape of Water, it was at TIFF, it was the premiere night. Oh, where wow. The cat, where, uh, where, uh, Gilmar del Toro and the cast were there, and it was at the Elgin Winter Garden Theater here in Beautiful Toronto. Theater. And yeah, funny yeah. enough, 
that in the movie where it takes place in, where the monster goes inside to watch like the the film, there's that one scene. That is where we saw the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a very rare thing to happen where you're watching a movie and there's a scene where you're watching them in the theater in the exact same theater that you're watching this movie. And it was a very surreal experience. And the whole theater clapped. And then Guillermo del Toro at the end said, all right, for the people that were sitting on the, uh, in the seats that they were close to, you're going to get a free poster signed by all of us and, uh, you know, you'll be all good. But <laughs> we weren't anywhere near that. We were up on the mezzanine. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, carrying on my list, I also picked Parasite, which was an excellent movie to end twenty the 2010s on. So yes. Good. That that peach sequence has got to be one of my favorite scenes of all time. It's so it's well. It's pretty good. It's so well constructed. I, I, it makes me jealous. I wish I could write a sequence that just has such a good. You take out the bloody napkin and just look at it, and then the rich mom just like tilts her head. <laughs> to burn your noses. <laughs> <laughs> I love then, it. I um, love it. That's a yeah. If I, Evan picked a Marvel movie and I, I picked two, and it's the the Guardians of the Galaxy series. I hold those movies very close to my heart personally. They remind me a lot of like the stuff me and my mom used to do, because we were we were like big huge music aficionados and sci-fi nerds. So I just have I, those those movies are kind of like my junk food. I, I enjoy them a lot. Also, I wouldn't even say they're junk food, like because they, they were legitimately. Yeah, I would, yeah, I wouldn't say they're junk food. That's okay. more like I, I know people dis Marvel, but yeah, I do really like the. Uh, okay, those, to those. hell with the Scorsese fanboys. <laughs> Isn't it interesting when a comic book movie even tries to pay homage to Martin Scorsese? The Scorsese fans still don't like it because they said they some score. He's so misquoted. He's not even I, being all that like dismissive. I'm starting to think that Scorsese fanboys or fangirls are really pretentious, like almost like Nolan fans. Because I remember reading this scathing article about Joker because Joker the year last year joker stole the oscar nomination like buzz and people are saying stop praising this movie it's pretentious and it's trying to be a scorsese film oh it is stop stop praising it because it's not doing justice to mental health like can you shut up and just enjoy it for what it is i i liked it I'm gonna. When you guys are both on your list, I actually have a lot to say about Joker. Next on my list yeah. is uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Speaking of Marty, oh yeah, <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel the length of that one. And I... Hey, how, is this is this, go. is this our is this is our 36th episode, right? Uh, yeah. Those are rookie numbers, yeah. son. Yeah, pump those numbers up. <laughs> yeah. I gotta just watch that from beginning to end. I like that one. I also uh, really like, uh, naturally, me and Tarantino had I had to pick Django Unchained. If Inglorious yeah. Bastards came out this this decade, I would have picked that yeah. one, but that was like two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but Django was awesome. Wasn't I liked it a bit more than like Hateful Eight and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might maybe it would have been a close contender, but I think yeah. Django was like, a little bit better. Yeah. And then up to up until a point, I also really liked Nightcrawler when it came out. Jake Gyllenhaal was fantastic. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel was excellent, um, and then I also picked a few indie things, like, I, I really loved mid-90s, that was definitely the movie that connected with me the most out of mm -hmm. the decade, just, like, every little yeah. bit about it, I just loved it. I remember Evan and I, I think we stood at, at the tip line for, like, what, two hours? And we saw Jonah Hill in person. Yeah, Jonah Hill walked past us after the movie, because yeah. it was, like, a, it was, like, a screening 
for the yeah. special. Wait a minute, you saw? Wait, wait, you saw? You you saw mid nineties at TIFF? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, yeah, it was on twenty. We went to TIFF at twenty eighteen, so we saw like Green Book. You saw it at the Ryerson Theater? No, we saw it at the Lightbox. Uh, the Lightbox. Oh, oh, okay. Because I saw it at Ryerson. Oh, that would have been funny. I just it would have been funny if we were all at the same yeah, screen. Yeah, we bumped into it. was like, Cody, I knew you'd be here. <laughs> Cody from the '90s, come to see mid '90s. Yeah. yeah, I saw I saw that at the Ryerson. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. no, that was a, uh, I enjoyed that one a lot. Also, one that was kind of like a interesting one was a. Uh, have you ever seen Sorry to Bother You? No. Uh, yes, that's a good one. Yeah, no, I, I like I really that, like one. that one. It feels like almost like a a Kaufman kind of film with like like with the same like uh, what's the word I'm thinking? Like the I same. I think Tarantino tendencies in it too. I'd say like Spike Jones tendencies or something like that. Like it has such like a it has like a level of whimsy that I kind of like, but at the same time it's just like out there and it does a lot of unique things director wise. I I want to pay more attention to this director like if he makes another movie because it was like really cool to. See the uh, yeah. things he put together. Yeah. Boots Riley. Check him out. And then my last one is like a really, really small movie that was shot actually in Evans High School, and that was The the Dirties, which is a found footage movie about a, a, a school shooter. And I, yeah, I, yeah. I really like the presentation. That's another movie that almost has like Spike Jones. The like, hallway. The hallway in which the climax takes place in is actually a hallway I walk through every day. Yeah, yeah, and you, you're you pretty close friends with, like, one of the camera operators, too. Yeah, uh, she was my instructor and friend of mine, yeah. Yeah, no, I like, I like Matt Johnson, he also had a show called, uh, Nirvana the Band the Show, he does a lot of stuff in the, in, in this region, and I think that's pretty neat, yeah. so I wanted to give him a shout-out, too. Yeah. Uh, that's my list for the 2000s, I almost said 2000s, but, uh, yeah. we had to go 10 steps beyond. <laughs> What's your list, Cody? Yeah. Uh, it's funny, I won't read off all of them, I have, like, a top 50 on Letterboxd, like, fuck. on a private list, <laughs> so you guys are about to get, like, probably an early exclusive on, uh, some of my favorites from the past decade, because, like, it's funny, my friends and I wanted to, like, save to do this, but, like, in a PowerPoint kind of format, Yeah. like, almost like a presentation, but as COVID has taught us is that even little plans can't really fall through, so here we are doing this, so... Uh, I'll just do, I'll just kind of rapid fire 20. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Starting from 20, leading all the way up to my favorite movie of the decade. Um, okay, so number 20 is Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I love both their performances. Uh, you got some Black Widow and some Kylo Ren yelling at each other. <laughs> no, no, in all seriousness, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver are great. Uh, I just love how it's just a very believable debate you can't really like choose sides it's it's a it's a believable love story yeah like i don't relate to it i just find it very believable is it funny is it funny that randy newman wrote the mute the songs and music for a movie called toy story and a movie called marriage story (laughs) oh yeah yeah it's true (laughs) yeah he likes his stories i guess yeah <laughs> I like my stories. Stories are good. I write music that tells it how it's it cool. should. I would uh, like. Number, number, number nineteen is uh, Shame. Uh, yeah, Steve that was McQueen. A good one. Yeah. Steve McQueen movie with uh, Michael Fassbender. He plays like a a sex addict. Just a just a very like emotional raw movie about addiction. 
Yeah. I, I, I just, I kind I find it very cold and distant, but like it's also very like emotional at the same time. But, yeah, that that one hit very um, close to home for me. This one's called Steam. Shame. Shame. No, sh- shame. 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 Yeah. yeah. Uh, number nine. Uh, sorry, eighteen is uh, In Sundays. It's probably oh, one yeah. of. Uh, it's it's Denny Villeneuve's like I wouldn't say first mainstream movie that that probably is arguably uh, Prisoners. Yeah. But this is a this is a movie that I I don't even want to say anything about it. People just really have to go into it cold, not knowing what it is. But it's right. just it's a movie that's probably gonna just reach into your chest and rip out your heart. That's all oh, I'll wow. say. Yeah. No, I know about it. Uh, number seventeen is uh, the Lighthouse. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I like that one a lot. St- Rob, Robert, Robert Eggers is a really favorite director of mine. I, I that might be stuff. my that might be my fa- that's my favorite one that he's done so far. I wasn't too big on The Witch to yeah, be honest. I like that. Um, but The Lighthouse, I don't know. It had like this kind of like um, I got like the symbolism behind it all. Like it's just it's very simple story wise, but there, if you have an open mind, you get a lot of subtext, a lot of metaphors out of it. Yeah, and it's just a very memorable looking movie visually, you know. Yeah, it's magnetic. Yeah. Um, but to lighten things up, uh, number sixteen yeah. is my favorite animated movie of the past decade, the Lego Movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's your this favorite movie, animated this, movie. I'm not kidding. This movie is a fucking masterpiece. This is like a, such a touching movie. It's so fucking clever. It's so funny. It's so creative. And just because, and maybe it's because I grew up with Legos. Yeah. I got a lot of just little little tiny in jokes, like the the spaceman, like like the or rocket man, spaceman, the one voiced by Charlie Day, the yeah. spaceships, 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 like the little details that they have about even his helmet is cracked in the middle on the bottom. Yeah, I'm like, old. oh my god, yeah, like all those helmets were so easily to break back then. Like like, I'm not kidding. Like it's it's a great kind of messiah story, but it's also like a parody of it as well. And it just has like a Pixar emotional level ending. Yeah. Well, like, that is what happens when you get one of the screenwriters from Toy Story three, like in on the project. Also, um, one of my brother and I, because my brother and I haven't watched that many movies like together over the past decade. In towards the end of the tw- of the early two thousands, he he got really into his motocross riding and he became less and less of a movie guy. So whenever I would watch a movie with my brother, it would be a special occasion. Um, I remember uh, my family watched the Lego movie one night, and at the scene where uh, Anthony Daniels and Billy D. Williams actually cameoed as Lando and 3PO in the Star Wars little joke, my brother yeah. was on the floor laughing his ass <laughs> off. And I was like, oh my god. I didn't even laugh that hard. I laughed, but I didn't... When I saw it in the theater with my friend, I laughed at that scene, but I didn't laugh as hard as my brother did. Yeah. Well, I, I, even just like, there's like little sound effects in the movie where it's like a cat. It's a cat. It's clearly somebody's going, meow, meow. Because that's what kids do when they like...
kind of have to have an open mind to it. But, um, yeah, I can't really say too much about it. I just don't want to ruin it. But, yeah, check it out. In fact, the same director is doing uh, The Green Knight that's coming out this summer. So it's oh, a nice. second A24 movie. Oh. Yeah, a lot of A24 uh, movies. Number 14 is uh, Prisoners. Mm. You I mentioned got, that earlier. Yeah, yes, Prisoners, Prisoners. This is a, a fantastic crime mystery drama. Uh, but what's interesting is that when you watch it the first time, it works as just like a nice mystery movie, like a whodunit. When you watch it again, and there's a lot of symbolism that you didn't notice the first time, and then you watch it again, and there's like, it's like a character study almost like there's layers to this movie it works as just like an accessible watch but it's also a deep movie which is why Villeneuve is like the man uh, you should like... put a counter here how many Villeneuve movies I'm going to yeah, be yeah I feel like we haven't this. heard the last of him on your list Cody <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be hearing about him a lot more coming up so <laughs> alright number 13 is Under the Skin oh yeah I haven't seen it. Oh, man. You want to see Scarlett Johansson scare the living shit out of you? Oh, my dad's seen this. He told me about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, this is a, this is a, this is a strange, really creepy movie. I love um, the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack is very eerie. Um, yeah, I got, it's, it's simple. It's just, you know, she's picking up guys and bringing them back to a certain she plays an alien and she's picking up guys and bringing them back to somewhere that's kind of eerily familiar to the upside down world in stranger things which i found a little interesting like, uh, more like when 11 off. spaces out and goes into like a second world or something like that big yeah. black void yeah yeah oh it's great um number 12 is uh blue is the warmest color oh yeah i heard about that one Never seen it. It's a three-hour epic love movie. It's between three hours girls. long. I thought it was yeah, short. Yeah, three hours. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now I don't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate long movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. It doesn't feel its length actually. The, the The performances in the movie are really great and believable. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to get into it, but it's um it's 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 another raw drama. Yeah. Uh, number eleven is one that uh, Evan brought up. Uh, Her. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Her's wonderful. This is like this is like just a this is great soft sci-fi. Yeah. Where it's taking an idea, a science a science idea, and sort of like examining ourselves. And it's really a movie that I find is gonna like stand the test of time in terms of like becoming like emotional attached to like some sort of electronic device. You know, like mm. I don't know. It, it, exa- it examines kind of loneliness, but then it examines love in a beautiful then it examines like breakup in a believable way but it's also a very like pretty movie from its tone and its color yeah. palette and ah love it do it's, you it's my favorite spike jones movie hmm. i gotta check out his other work then but do you know that um uh do you know who was originally gonna play the ai he falls in love with who samantha morton that's what a lot of the act a lot of the characters are named after their actors like amy is named after amy adams samantha was named after samantha morton but um what she showed up on set and read dialogue to walking phoenix off cameras and but the thing is her voice didn't capture the essence of who samantha was was supposed to be so and spike jones felt this when he was editing the movie so he talked to Samantha Morton, and with her blessing, Scarlett Johansson was called in at the 11th hour to re- to record all the dialogue. That's crazy. So, 
Put it this way. What what movie is this Samantha Morton in again? Um, the only other thing I've seen her in that she did an amazing job was Minority Report, and she plays Agatha the pre oh, in in Minority Report. Really? She plays Agatha the precog. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. All right. We now we've, we've hit the halfway point. We're in the top ten. Right, Yay. Lee. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. This this next one's almost two points if you want to count a Villeneuve point and an A twenty four point. Uh, it's enemy. Yeah, <laughs> I still have to see this. Yeah, it's a shot in Toronto, dude. How yeah. you gotta get on that? Yeah, at what point am I obligated to see every movie that is shot in my backyard? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, and, and, and well, the, well, don't be prepared to look at the nicely aesthetic Toronto because this is a disgusting oh, looking Toronto. It's very yellow. It's grungy <laughs> Toronto. Oh, it's really dirty looking. It's it's an abstract movie, so have an open mind. It, it is it is a, it, like it's just basically Jake Gyllenhaal fo- discovering that he has a doppelganger that when he rented a movie, and he's just obsessed to try to find who his doppelganger is. But yeah. there's more to it. I didn't really. Get I just don't want to give it away. I liked it. Jake Gyllenhaal, as always, we'll see anything with him in it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, number nine is uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Hmm. My only criticism, it should have just been called Three Billboards, because that title is fucking wordy. It kind of is, yeah. That's so, what everyone calls uh, it anyway. So is the movie, though, to be honest. But no, it's... it's, it's I love uh, 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 Martin McDonough. He's like... In Bruges is hilarious. Like His his dark comedy is just really biting and... Seven Psychopaths, endearing. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't too big on Seven Psychopaths, to be honest, but In Bruges I love. But I think... Three billboards is my favorite. Did one I tell you about the time that when I... the performances are the performances the performances are so good in this movie? Like Francis McDormand just kills it in yeah. this movie. My mom, Sam not... Rockwell yeah. is like, I mean, Sam Rockwell is like great in everything he's in, but like yeah. he's so good in this movie. Do you know? Do you want to something? Is incredible. The first time I watched Seven Psychopaths, uh, it was actually with my mom, and my mom was sold on the idea. My mom saw the trailer and I thought, "Oh, it's going to be a witty comedy," which it is. But the vi- <laughs> the violence was so off-putting for her that she turned it off, and I just finished the movie myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, great. Uh, my number eight is another movie that I think I think it was another movie that both of you brought up, or maybe it was just Evan. Uh, it's Room. Mm. Evan brought it up, yeah. Yeah. Now that's a movie. Yeah. Speaking yeah, of my Room, mom, uh, that's a movie that really does. Yeah, go ahead. I called my mom right after I watched that at TIFF with my friend Natasha, and as soon as that movie was over, I called my mom and told her how much I loved her because that movie is like it, it, it's the mother son uh, relationship movie that not enough movies uh, are about. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a really raw yeah. story, but it's, it's I love how it's told from the kids' perspective. Yeah, it does a good job at like even the camera angles and just the. The kind of like innocence of it, and like I don't know, they they grow so nicely in this movie, despite like their horrible. very horrible circumstances yeah. they were in at the beginning. I don't think I've um, se- I don't think I've seen a movie do that since AI, because AI was told from the kids' perspective too. Yeah. Yeah. Number seven is Arrival. Ding. Denis Villeneuve. 
Sean <laughs> Denny yeah, Ding. <laughs> Denny Ding. No, man, this is this is a sci-fi movie that like I've always wanted to see or make. Like very cerebral, but very emotional, and it's just it, it really. It, I saw it at TIFF with Veronica, and both of us equally like loved it just for different reasons. Like yeah. she loved how kind of like emotional it was, and kind of like deep it was but i got into just like the filmmaking and the everything about it like it's a wonderful movie it's i i want to see more sci-fi movies like this or make a movie like this i have kind of a personal story about this movie sure. uh when i watched it in theaters it was around the time i found a lump on my testicle so i was really scared that i was like i contracted like a disease or something like cancer so while i'm watching this and i'm starting to feel like pain in that area at the same time and I'm just kind of fretting for my life as I'm watching the story play out. And I felt so bad by the end because of the relationship the mother had with her daughter. And uh, then, I, then I walked home and I called my ex at the same time because I was like, I, I'm, I'm kind of scared for my life right now. So Arrival was a pretty well, it, emo- it was super emotional. Did it, end, did, did it end up being okay? You're uh, down there? Yeah, no, nothing, nothing came of it. It was scary though because I had to have like two different x-rays like on during a week-long period of like, like unsuredness, because I was they they didn't really know what it was, but it turned out to be like healing tissue or something. I don't know what you call it, but yeah, yeah, that's just what they well, call it's good. It. You're all right. It's good you checked it out. Yeah, but no, that was a scary time. Uh, what, what else is uh, on your list? <clears throat> uh, number six is Wild Tales. Oh yeah, you told me about that movie. It's amazing. What's this one? <laughs> It is probably the movie that is the closest I've ever seen to, like, a movie capturing that spirit of, like, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's basically just a string of five different stories. Like, they have nothing to do with each other, but it's they're so wonderfully dark and hilarious and well-made well and just, yeah, they're... I mean, you gotta check it out. My, favorite, my favorite story was the, the, the demo, man. I I can't decide a favorite. I always bounce around. Like yeah, the wedding I, one is the wedding one was my favorite at one point. Mm-hmm. The uh, the fight on the side of the road was I I forget there. I know there's names up uh, there. I think that I'm was my least them, favorite but. of the bunch. But yeah, I know that one. Um, yeah. The, yeah, I, I just love the bomb one because the conclusion of that story feels like something right out of Breaking Bad, set to a song uh, yeah, and everything. Totally, nah, totally. Nah, I can see nah, Walter Wade doing that. Nah, 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 nah. That's all I get stuck on. Alright, now we've hit the, the top five best movies of the decade. Okay. <laughs> number number five, Parasite. Yes. That, that, that's so Fuck. Good. That is like... I, I That was my favorite movie of 2019. I just... Cause, and it had been too. such a long gap in between... Because I didn't really love, love anything from 2018. Like, it was, a, it was kind of a blah year for movies. Yeah. And... The same thing kind of happened going into 2019. When I saw Parasite, I was like, there's hope. There's hope in cinema. Like, this is, like, a perfect fucking movie. Like, this is, like, an amazingly well-told story. Like, how it just juggles comedy and drama and just riveting suspense is just... It Bong Joon-ho, just, you're a fucking god. Like, I don't know how you pulled this movie off. I love how cute he was at the Oscars too, when he had so many awards. Yeah, he, he, he had the two to Oscars make out too. with each other. 
The two Oscars. And the big up. little smile, the little smile on his face. He's like, thank you, everybody. I'm gonna go get drunk. I mean, you want to talk about a cute Oscar moment? Um, the year after that big fudge up with uh, La La Land and Moonlight, when they said best picture goes to The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro marches up to the stage, <laughs> he, double, he checks. double checks the envelope, and he shows it to the camera saying, yep. Yeah. I really think so. Yeah. Alright. Yeah, that's a good pick for number five. Um, no, no, number four is Drive. Oh, um, that's it's great. It's been a long time since When I, I saw this it. movie, I said... I, when I saw this movie, I said to myself, like, I officially understand the language of cinema. Or I want to get to know it more. Like, it, it was a really... It had a really profound impact on me. As oh, far wow. as, like, how slow a movie can be but how kind of like tension filled it can be and like how you can just make a simple story but you can also make it so uh kind of like not i guess methodical is really the only word i can describe it as like but it's brutal it's a very violent movie and uh yeah any movie with Ryan Gosling just staring, I'll uh, I'll love it. <laughs> Ryan Gosling the has the same. <laughs> Ryan Gosling has the same deadpan stare expression. Like I swear to God. Oh yeah, you know when you look at the Notebook, he's so dead eyed. <laughs> oh yeah, I agree with you guys. <laughs> I haven't seen the Notebook. his later movies definitely have that thing going on. Yeah, the dead fish kind of thing. Number number three is um, Moonlight. Oh, that's, that's your number three. Wait. So yes, that was very. I thought that was gonna be your yeah, number one. So Moon, Moonlight. No, 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 no. Uh, well, yeah, I know, I know that it was kind of like my number one at one point, but it. I don't know. I just uh, seeing a movie so believable with drama always gets to me because it, it tackles a lot of stuff, a lot of struggling issues that people today go through, and. Uh, just the structure of the movie I really loved and I thought it was inspiring because I, I have a short story that ha- follows kind of similar to this structure in terms of spanning a lifetime. Oh, yeah. So I I felt like, yeah, yeah. When I saw the movie, I was like, shit, I got to make a few tweaks because there's a few similarities that I don't want to like be called out of being plagiarism. But um, no, it's a beautiful movie and uh, it's definitely my favorite out of the A24 caliber. So. We closed out that. <laughs> uh, my number two is... Oh, where's that? Sorry. Uh, he's in the kitchen. I, I do have to get ready for I work. gotta kinda go soon. I so gotta get ready, list, so... Uh, we we're we're kinda... Yeah. But that's okay, yeah, carry on. Okay, yeah, 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 I'll, make this, I'll, I'll make this quick. Two more, two more. Yeah. Uh, number two is Blade Runner 2049. Uh, okay. Another <laughs> cool. Denny. Uh, there we go, there. There, there's the Denny. There, the Denny. We hit, we hit a milestone. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite. Bye, oh. bye Denny. Oh, hi, Denny. Oh, hi, Denny. <laughs> oh, hi, Denny. <laughs> Denny, Benny. You just, you just play that audio clip every time I announce one of his movies. Oh, <laughs> no, do that, do that, do that. Let's do go it. eat, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, fuck. This was like probably one of my favorite. Uh, movie-going experiences of all time because I forgot I was watching a movie for that two hours and forty-five minutes. What is it? It was. It was. That's like that's a masterpiece. I can't wait to see Dune. Like I, 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 I can't say anything about else about it. Everything about it is like quality sci-fi milestone masterpiece. Okay. Like, oh, I think I yeah. know your number one is going to be, knowing you. And 
And number one is <sighs> Birdman. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, you mean Batman? No, he means Birdman. You mean Vulture? Birdman, Batman. <laughs> no. Bird. Always oh, sorry, it was Jack and Jill. Sorry, it was that it was actually Jack and Jill. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh god. What you, what, you see, I didn't like any of your other entries, but when you saw said Jack and Jill, I was like, Oh you yeah, for... the funny one. <laughs> yeah. Jack and Jill. I such an artistic achievement. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no, Birdman's a really good pick for number the, one. The the chemistry the the chemistry between Adam Sandler and his sister are just no 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 sorry. <laughs> I mean, Al Pacino at no, his Bert, career best. <laughs> Irishman. <laughs> Martin Scorsese uh... can take a seat. He need, Martin Scorsese needs to make more movies like Jack and Jill and worship more movies like Jack and Jill. <laughs> We're assholes. No, but Birdman, Birdman is a perfect... It's a perfect movie in terms of its... its uh, balance of being like an art film and an entertainment movie, of being abstract and literal. It, it's a great character study. It's very technically well made. Like I know it's 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 made to look like it's all in one continuous take, but there's hidden cuts, but they're not really that distracting. Um, my the cast is wonderful. Yeah. I yeah. Sorry, go ahead. My favorite one of my favorite scenes from that movie is where. Edward Norton is like the replacement actor who gets called in for the play. He's so pretentious that as yeah. that as soon as he occurs to him that a stage prop doesn't make him put him into the scene, he breaks the fourth wall and the test audience is booing him and he's just screaming. He he breaks the fourth wall and just starts screaming at the audience. I, maybe yeah. I'm just a sucker for fourth wall breaks. Like funny fourth wall breaks, but I, it's not a very, fu it's not supposed to be a funny scene, but I just can't stop laughing whenever he, I see that scene. Well, there is a, it is a, it, the movie is a comedy. It's a comedy drama. Yeah. But uh, it's just... also, I mean, I, I find it ex both accessible to watch as just like, you know, about a struggling actor trying to get some sort of like, trying to, trying to boost his ego basically. Mm -hmm. But, it's also just a very abstract movie that you can get a lot of things out of. I can watch it a certain way one day and then rewatch it later on and look at it a different way. It also examines kind of... it also examines the way Broadway views Hollywood because apparently like it's you feel like theater and film are the same but they're they're they feel the same in some respects but they're different in more respects than they are the same. Yeah. 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 No, it's a very fluidly uh, directed movie, I must say. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's 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 definitely the, the decade. Yeah. Do you feel like the world the world of cinema like in this decade were just like they had such a huge boner for like one shot like takes or like long tracking shots? Yeah. Like nineteen seventeen. No Gravity. I remember I saw one movie Stan and Ollie where like the opening scene is like a long tracking shot through a studio and it's just. I see it all the time. Hustlers had a long tracking sh shot, and it's always I always kind of see they all kind of work the same way. Like the camera will do like a three sixty and do like or more like a one eighty and just go like we follow them from behind, then we go from from the front. We're like tracking as they're walking towards the camera. Like it, it, they they kind of do all the same stuff, but like sometimes it's really really effective. Like does Pete, does Paul? I think it's more effective than Birdman. Sorry, what? Does Paul Thomas Anderson do it that much anymore? Like, I haven't seen a lot of his more recent stuff. 
like the master didn't really yeah, have a long he did it, takes. He did, he, he did it in Boogie Nights. Yeah, I remember that. It, he, he was known for that kind of stuff. Magnolia um, had a lot of long tracking shots, but like, yeah, I just don't think it's done that much. I don't know. I'm going off topic. Anyways, that's a very good list. It was a fun topic. We could probably make a whole segment out of it, but um. I yeah, am spent, true. ladies and gentlemen. I need to get ready to go today. I got things to do. Yeah. But thanks. Yeah, to me too. I got I, I, uh, me too. That was a good note to end off on, I guess. Favorite yeah. movies. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, stay tuned for more. Stay thirsty, my friends. What is this, a Dos Equi commercials? Uh, we don't have the budget for that. <laughs>